You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries for your truck, batteries for your trail cameras, TV remote controls, flashlights, you name it, Interstate Batteries has what you need. They have thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So stop in, talk to a battery specialist, or for more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Welcome, folks, to the Freshwater Bite Podcast, your source for everything freshwater fishing. I'm your host, Lee Kleino, and on this podcast, you will hear from diehard anglers like yourself, the backstories of those anglers, techniques they use, gear reviews, and everything in between. So if you like fishing, turn it up, because this episode's about to kick off right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I hope your guys' winter season of ice fishing is going well. Mine is non-existent so far, as we don't have much ice down here in the lower part of Michigan. Um, so that'll mean I'll have to venture back north to get on some solid ice that uh, I can feel comfortable standing on. But in the meantime, I brought you guys a great episode, another episode of the podcast featuring Lane Mayer of Mountain Man Outdoors. And Lane is a Saskatchewan man from Canada who comes on the podcast today to share a ton of knowledge that he has. I think from a, he offers a great perspective of how he transitioned throughout his angling career into what he has become today. Someone who catches very big walleye uh up on his on his home lake and you'll hear him talk all about it but it's interesting because lane gets to a point where he's like you know i can't just go out and catch average fish anymore i've got to go to the next level in order to be successful and be a um a tournament winner like he had always aspired to be and he talks about what it took for him to get to that next level how he kind of had to you know be humble and learn from those who came before him and it's really cool to hear him talk about his transition and then he talks about how he turned his passion and all that into a, a guide business now he now has which is called mountain man outdoors guiding and he also makes aluminum ice shacks which are mobile and light and yet very durable so if you're interested in aluminum ice shacks and you want to see some great Great craftsmanship. Go check him out over at Mountain Man Outdoors. Uh, it's Mountain Man on uh, Instagram. And uh, yeah, Lane's a good dude and provides a ton of knowledge. And I love talking to him. And make sure you stay tuned to him and follow him because he's got a lot coming in the near future on YouTube and some other things. So here's Lane. I want to welcome Lane to the podcast. Lane, thanks for thanks for joining us. No worries. Sorry it took so long to uh, make this all work out. No, man, you're a busy guy. So it sounds so you know, from the sound of things or the look of things I should say on Instagram here, you're starting your own guide business. Yes, sir. Yeah. Starting my own guide business, uh just as of January twenty twenty here. And um yeah, no been kinda a little bit in the industry for a while. Just we uh make a few fishing related products at our other shop and you know, it's it's always interests me. It's been tournament fishing for almost ten years now and Heard it time and time again, and when the opportunity finally arose, it seemed like, well, it seemed like a good thing to do at the time, so we'll see how it pans out. 
Oh, dude, I, it's it's going to be great for you. I mean, going through your photos here on Instagram and, you know, things like that, you're a goddamn fishing the machine. Well, you know, I got something to offer. And at this point, going out and catching a big fish for me, it's, I'm not going to say it's losing its appeal, but it's just becoming the commonplace. And you know what? It just doesn't excite me like it used to. And when I really get excited now is when I get to take somebody else out and uh, give them the opportunity to catch one like that. I love to see. I remember what it was like to catch my first big one. And I, I don't even know. I can't count how many people have uh, had the privilege of giving them their, their first 10-pound plus walleye now. And just see the smile and give them the photo and the memory. And You know what? To me, that, that's what it's all about. So when I had the opportunity to start this guiding company, it was... Um, you know what? It, it, it really appeals to me now. I'm excited again. I'm excited to get back out. I'm excited to get on the fish. I'm excited to talk people through catching the fish. Right. <clears throat> so, yeah. so I mean, have you always grown up fishing? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm uh, guiding on my home lake. Uh, my parents had me out there. I was born in August. My parents pretty well had me out there since the week I was released from the hospital. So, yeah, I was born a lake rat. And, continue to be a late grad to this day and yeah i uh beach bumming around has always been kind of the life for me summer's on the boat and winter's in the ice shack and uh, basically you know eat sleep breathe and live hunting and fishing and so yeah no anytime you you know you can make a uh, a hobby into a well potentially a career or a lifestyle well i mean to me it seems like a good idea uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're definitely winning in my book. Anytime, like, like you said, anytime you can make a hobby or a passion like that and turn it into your full-time, you know, gig or make a lifestyle out of it, you're, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. So, so tell everybody where you're, you know, kind of like where you grew up and, you know, what body of water you, you, you call home. Well, I'm from the giant Saskatchewan, uh, 32 years old. I've, uh, I've grown up fishing last mountain lake. And, and the surrounding area. I've fished a bunch of smaller reservoirs and some other chain lakes attached to it. And also grew up going up north in the summers. And uh, my, I was very fortunate in the fact that my family, um, you know, we were, we were lucky enough that they, we were able to spend summers at the lake. And, you know, my parents had a boat and, uh, and they loved the outdoors as well. So I, you know, I was introduced to it early. And, you know, that really sparked it. It's funny how it's kind of, how it's kind of changed over the years. And when I first started, it was all about chasing the perch off the dock. And I didn't even care about going out for a while. I perch was my thing. And uh, so, you know what, even at a young age started to take it more seriously. And all of a sudden, you know what, using dad's old ice fishing rod or ugly stick didn't cut it. me. about age 10, I saved up and I went out and bought my first salsa light. And you know, from there, I'd ride my bike to the old bait shop and then, pick out a handful of small lures. Yeah, that's kind of when a passion all really began in the chase. Just, you know, what learning what triggers them and learning what time of year, what they're doing, what time of year, and trying to pattern them and pushing the boundaries of everything. Um, it just, it was such a great introduction to fishing. I couldn't have asked for a better, a better opportunity as a young man. And uh, it's just grown. It just continues to grow. I was, uh, got my first boat at probably let's say 18 years old and you know didn't start with much it, you, you, as most of us don't started with a older 
17 foot fiberglass boat that I bolted a trolling motor onto and bought a pawn shop sonar and stuck it on and oh yeah, we caught fish with it. <laughs> it worked. It was what we had and we made do with it. And that boat caught me a lot of walleye and uh, graduated to was given a chance to tourney fish a few years later. And, you know, I kind of just rode shotgun in a buddy's boat for years. My buddy Glenn Balmy got me into tourney fishing and, uh, from there, the addiction just it just spiraled out of control. Once we once we learned how to do it and learned what we were doing out there and made better use of our time on the lake, it just it all really started to come together. I just love it. I live for it. You know what? Something I feel like I'll never truly master. And the day it does, I'll probably take up golf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully you don't get to that point because fishing is a lot funner than golf, in my opinion. But... Um, that, go, going through those transitions, like you were talking about going from, you know, getting excited about walleye and then going into the turning fishing. how did the, how did the tournament fishing differ in, in your eyes when you were transitioning to that? Is that something that you just wanted to go out there and try to be the best or is it kind of something that made you up your game and, uh, learn how to catch bigger and bigger fish? Well, you know what? It was both. And I kind of. I kind of grew up around it just because, like I said, we, my parents owned a plastic fabrication shop. So I built wave whackers, built splash guards. We'd work on boats. And being a fisherman, seeing these guys come in with their great big boats was like such a turn on for me to the sport. And it was actually one of our customers, the, the guy that gave me my first chance. And another customer from just down the street is a very prominent tournament fisher, fisherman here, Delvin Christian. And he was telling me about a prize he sponsored for best young angler, best new angler in the trail. So it didn't matter what you placed, but if you were a new member that year, you could win his prize. And when I was given the opportunity to fish a tournament with Glenn, I didn't think I was going to get to do a walleye trail tournament. He actually asked me to do just a small fun one there. Uh, Cause we ice fished together the season before and, he knew I was a good stick, so he wanted to take somebody young out, and he took me out, and we actually put a, a whooping on the wall, and I think he was pretty impressed with my jigging stick, and he actually asked me to push a walleye trail tournament with him two weeks later. His, his partner was giving him commitment issues, and um, you know what? I went out and did that, and we crushed that, too. Uh, made the money. We were in top 15 finish in the uh, first tournament out of 150 teams, and I actually won Delvin's prize. My first tournament, first time out there, and from that day on, I was just I was hooked. What What, what was his prize again? Uh, best new Best new angler. Oh, okay. So wh- whoever was a new member that year is best placing new member, basically. Nice. So first year member, I I think I ended up at like fifteenth or something. It wasn't you know a spectacular finish, but highest finishing new member, and I took home one little check. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. Yeah, something about ca- you know cashing that first check. It like did that send off like a light bulb in your head? Like, oh, I could really, you know, this could feed my addiction if I win a couple of these, or at least ca- you know be able to cash a check. Yeah, well, I was pretty fortunate my first year. Actually, uh, my first year was actually one of my I shouldn't say one of my best years, but it was one of my better years for the first few years, anyways, and. Um, yeah, I actually went on to fish three tournaments in all that year. The last one, I, uh, Glenn actually had me back for the Fall Classic, which is 
it's a big deal. It's, it has a waiting list. It's a, you know, it's a thirty to fifty thousand dollar tournament and prize or uh, first prize. And, um, we darn near won it. We actually ended up coming in fourth place, and I caught my biggest walleye ever to date. And well, at the time in that tournament, my first walleye over ten pounds, I caught in that tournament, and I absolutely crushed it. It was thirteen pounds ten ounces. Whoa, big one! That's a big boy. Or girl. <laughs> big fish. Big fish of the tournament. Big fish of the tournament, top weight of the day. and Yeah, it fell just a little short. We missed it just by ounces. The top five is so tight. And uh, just couldn't pull together a second big one on day one. But, yeah, for, you know, fourth place for the first fall class, it got pumped. So, you know, I'm, I'm seeing that, and you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you've caught a ton of big fish in your life. Um, you know, you've been in magazine articles and things like that. What did you notice about when you started to catch bigger and bigger fish? Or what should I say, what does it take for someone to kind of, you know, from the angler who goes out and just likes to, you know, fill the live well to the, to the angler who kind of switches their gear, their mindset to, to chase the big ones? Patience. And I'll tell you what, the hardest lesson I ever heard, learned in fishing was how to put fish back. And that's what changed. Okay. Uh, it, was the whole, it was the whole mentality. It was the whole concept. It was, I went from keeping a limit to limiting my keep. And um, as I got more intense into fishing, I learned a whole new respect for the fishery. And it all, you know, when you start putting the time in, it all eventually it just all starts to come together. And it really did, you know, after that first big one, it all just started to fall into place. I really struggled to break 10 pounds. It took me until I was like 24 years old or 23 years old, something like that. And don't get me, and I caught lots of seven, eight times. And for some reason, I just couldn't catch a 10 plus. Right. It was super, super frustrating for me. And well, I'll tell you what, a week after that, 13 10 in that tournament or two weeks after we went up to tobin pre-fished for the vanity i wasn't fishing it but i went and pre-fished with my partner and uh i think i caught four or five more over 10 that next week so like i said it, it when it starts to happen it just all starts to happen and that first one's always the hardest one for sure now, during that time, were you, did you change anything in your technique? Like, were you, did you find yourself throwing bigger baits or just searching in different areas or structures that you typically wouldn't have in the past? Or again, just, just sticking with that patience theme? Um, I think more than anything, I just came out of my comfort zone. Uh, Glenn taught me a lot of new techniques, like live bait rigging. Yeah. That was a big one for me. I really, all I knew how to do was jig and bottom bounce and well. We don't bottom bounce in Glen's ball. That's not a thing. And you know what? I hardly do it anymore to this day. Not to say it doesn't work well. It's just to me, it's, um, I, I have a couple other techniques that I'd prefer to do on any given day. And yeah, I, just coming out of my comfort zone and giving up the jigging rod, the bottom bouncers, and learned how to Lindy rig, learned how to rip jig, learned how to, you know, buzz bomb and uh, rip reaction baits, jigging wraps and shiver minnows. Uh, flutter spoons, PK flutters. And yep. So that, that was the game changer. And then uh, as well, I, I have to give credit to where I was due. Like jump being a young angler, the best thing you can do is find a tournament angler to try and get you, take you under their wing because 
that basically puts you into the express lane. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff that I would have taken 10 years, I would have figured it out and we were figuring it out, but you know what, when somebody's willing to share that knowledge with you and you actually, you're willing to listen and if you can take it all in and I soaked it all up like a sponge, like, I think that's why he liked me is because I actually sat there and listened and we discussed. And you know what? I seen what he was seeing. I seen what he was doing with the boat and uh, learning how to read your sonar and your boat control are by far the two most important things when it comes to catching, targeting and catching big fish. And uh, you know what? Glenn is very good at both of those and yeah, it taught me very well. Uh, and you know what? The boat control stuck and, as far as reading sonars goes, like, I don't know. I've, I've got, I think, I think I've got her down now. A huge, huge sonar nerd. Yeah. It, you know, coming from, you know, from hearing your story, like, you know, I, I imagine you as this, like this younger kid or this younger guy out there. And, you know, when, when you're younger, like you said, you don't have that patience when you're in the boat to sit down and, and really dissect a body of water, what's going on underneath the boat with your sonar. Because, I mean, I can remember being this way when I was young. All I wanted to do was hurry up and get out there and catch fish. You know what I mean? Like, as long as I was reeling in fish, you know, that's that was the name of the game. But then, you know, as I, like you had talked about with maturing and slowing down and, and, and taking the time to maybe don't even wet a line, just go out there and drive around and look at what your sonar is telling you. The first time I ever did that, I learned so much more. And I think I was on the lake for like three hours, just driving around, figuring out what was going on underneath me. And then the next time I went out, you know, I, I had more of a game plan put together and, you know, sometimes, oh, like you uh, said, you know, you just, you want to wet a line so bad, but if you can just listen and learn from people and set your pride aside, you can, you can go a lot further. 100% and I'll tell you one thing like that's that's a big difference right there there is a big difference between going out and wanting to catch fish and wanting to catch the fish right and it's just like you say I am notoriously bad for cruising around and using my sonar and people watch me and they think all this guy does is drive around all day well you know what I, I'm not even not doing that I'm hunting I'm picking I'm picking my targets and I'm looking for the right size class fish. And I can't even tell you how many times I've found the fish I'm after marked him, drop my, whatever lure I'm using on his head and caught, watched him bite on my sonar. Like it's the system works. It's, um, it's again, it's just patience and you just got to believe that, you know, what you're doing is working and stick to it. If you're just scatterbrained and you're just chasing, you know, chasing fish and fishing memories and just stick to your guns. You wait it out. I'll sit there and I'll drive around for, you know, an hour, two hours. If that's what it takes to find the kind of fish I'm looking for. And you know what? It almost always pays off. If they're biting, we'll find them. We'll find the big marks and we'll, uh, we'll put them in the boat. So when you drive around and you're looking for fish, you said you're looking for the right kind of fish or the right type of fish. What yeah. makes you, what makes you say, okay, this is the fish that I'm going after? Is it typically these big fish all hanging around with other big fish together, or do you kind of see them mixed in and schooled in with, um, you know, a younger class of fish as well? Or like, like I guess what I'm, I'm asking is like, what are you looking for on your sonar exactly? Where you're like, yep, I'm chasing that this this area, well, this, these type of fish. First of all, I'm looking for bait. 
Okay. I guess I would say that's the first thing I'm looking for. Uh, if you find bait, chances are you're going to find fish. And then when you find fish, it's all about owning in on what you're after. You have to learn your sonar. And you know what? Everyone's different. You know, there's hummingbird guys, Lawrence guys, there's pan optics guys. Well, I personally, I'm a hummingbird guy. I started with Lawrence and uh, I had HDSs. And they just weren't doing it for me. My first, my first decent bow was a Lund, 18-foot Lund, Pro V, and it came with HDS 10s in it, which, you know what, for most guys, they love those. That's great sonar. But I just, I don't know, it wasn't doing it for me. And when the Helix first came out, I ripped those out, and I put in a Helix 12 and a Helix 9, and that was the best thing I ever did for me. It just, uh, the way I fished, they just, I just, I can read them very well, and I can read them confidently. And I put in the time to understand what I'm looking at. So, yeah, I could actually tell you the difference between, you know, a bigger fish and a smaller fish. I can, lots of times I can even call what we're looking at. It's silly, but, um, you know, and the big fish will typically hang out with the big fish. It is, they will typically stick around with their age group. Not to say you won't find scattered groups, not to say you won't find a big one mixed in with a little one, because it does happen. But if I'm on the hunt, I'm looking for a big mark. Okay. And you know what? Um, don't be scared. Throw it in reverse. Try and get right on top of that fish. I'm a back troller, so I'm always fishing off the back of my boat. Uh, to me, the vantage is king. So, like, I got an Altera on the front, but. You can, you'll definitely see me kicking in reverse, trying to get back on top of that fish and dropping right on its head. You know, like they're there, they're going to eat. You just got to get on top of them. And it's, it's not easy. It takes practice, but you know what? Keep at it. Just, uh, it does work. That's awesome, man. Anybody listening to this, if you can go check out his Instagram, either at Lane, is it, how do you say your last name? Is it Mayor? Meyer. Meyer. Yeah. Lane Meyer on Instagram or over at, uh, mountain man outdoors, which is, uh, your new venture that you're, you're, you're getting into, which is, you know, guiding and the mountain man guide company that, that you're establishing, you were talking about it a little bit earlier where it's like, you know, you, you've caught a lot of fish, a lot of big fish. And now, um, did, when you got out of tournament fishing, is that what kind of led you into, wanting to start and, and guide people and help them get onto other bigger fish, kind of like um, what your mentor did for you? Well, I'm still tournament fishing. Oh, okay. Uh, not as not as much. Like, uh, obviously, there's not going to be as much time for it, but I'm still very active in our walleye trail. Uh, great guys, great group of people. Um, you know what? People can say what they want about tournament anglers, but most of them are true conservationists. We do care about the fish. I stick around and I'm on the board because I do care about the fish. You know, we can always do better. Um, But no, it's not so much so switching from one to the other. I'll probably always tournament fish. It's addicting for me and it forces me to stay on my game. Uh, Being a tournament fisherman will make you a better angler. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to adapt quick and you have to learn to adapt on the fly. And you know what? can't always just be out there fishing memories because I can't tell you how many times I've pre-fished and then tournament day, my whole plan goes out the window. Um, But no, the uh, guiding just kind of came about when I was presented. Well, A, I moved to the lake, so that was one thing. And I'm here. Access is easy. 
um, I seen a little bit of a market for it and I started fabricating more and you know what it, it kind of came about when I decided to start building ice shacks and we built really really cool aluminum framed ice shacks um, they're turning out really good and we're graduating into wheelhouses here shortly and you know what I was thinking like yeah no, we'd definitely be renting this and Guiding guiding rights are hard to come by, and I proposed them to somebody, and he actually ended up turning me down. And I uh, I went at another guy, and uh, Tony Haiti, and he, uh, he you know what? He gave me a total yes, and he was totally on board. And he was actually really stoked with the whole mountain man idea and the concept, and he owned the rights to the lake for about 10, 15 years, and just didn't really care to do much with them because he's a very busy guy, runs a very successful business, and when I approached him, he just gave me an overwhelming yes. And you know what? I thought he was going <laughs> to, I thought it was going to be something I was going to be doing on my own. But the more I heard about it, he, uh, he wanted in as well. So yeah, we're partnered up on Mount Man and I got a couple other really, really good sticks coming to guide for me. Um, couple I'll be dropping pretty quick here. I'm not going to say tonight, sure. uh, but one of them's pretty YouTube famous. So, okay. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really exciting actually. Dude, that's awesome. Dude, and I'm looking at your shacks online here. Anybody listening to this, you got to go check these things out. Um, they're what kind of describe like I don't know. I mean, I I've never seen anything like here in Michigan. Um, I don't want to I mean, I guess you could kind of say they're kind of like a permanent shack, but they're also on these looks like aluminum skis and it can be very mobile as well. Yeah, we build skid shacks and I'm, like I said, I will be getting into wheelhouses here shortly as well. Like we get we get a lot of snow and it can get pretty rough and ugly out of the lakes. And uh, I do actually go up North a lot as well. So for certain reasons, skid shacks are still ideal out here. Okay. Um, wheelhouses definitely have their place too. I love both, but as far as going up North, not a chance to get a wheelhouse up there unless maybe until April or you bring it in early and it sits there snowed in all winter, which isn't really good either. So, uh, skid shacks are really nice for moving around the lake. Very mobile. Um, you know what? I could hook it up to my sled. I could hook it up to my side by side or my quad and go like nothing. Uh, it's not cranking up and down. So yeah, basically like the one you're looking at right now, that one's made to hook up to my side by side for what I'm guiding. Okay. Seven foot by 10 foot, two benches, very comfortable, propane heat, TV, aqua view, you name it. And uh, it's just basically meant to run and gun, but while still fishing in comfort, I can, you know, as quick as we move and I can punch three, four holes with the strike master, like we're, we're fishing again. So, right. you know, we're not, we're not stuck anywhere. Yeah. And that was my question is like, could someone get these shacks and like you said, a mobile run and gun kind of thing, like you, like you don't have to set up permanently on this, on your spot. I mean, to start your slide or your side by side, you could leave everything in the shack and still drive, you know, another mile or two down the lake and, and go somewhere else. This thing looks like it's, you know, there's oh, nothing absolutely. to it. No, you don't even have to shut the heat off. That's badass. Yeah. yeah that I, works really well. I love it. And you said you guide out of it. So is this something that you take back with you to the, you know, to the launch every day too, or do you leave it out on the ice? Uh, it stays out on the ice. There's a big shack colony right out front of my house. So okay. I, I'm just within a stone's throw away. I live right on the water. So okay. I can see all the shacks out there. And I equip my shacks with GPS tracking systems so I can monitor them at all times. If anyone tried breaking in or if it was on the move, I would know instantly. Cool. 
Where yeah. do you, where do you see Mountain Man? Uh, I don't know, five, ten years from now. Sorry, could you repeat that? I said, where do you see Mountain Man five to ten years from now? Where would you like to see, or what? What are your aspirations with with your new venture? Aspirations, if everything goes according to plan, five years we have uh, a lodge, not nothing too crazy. Water, basically, buy another waterfront property just to keep the boats at, um, and have a cook and stuff working out of, and then probably try and. Property here is very expensive. We're not remote. Like this was in commutable distance of a major center. So waterfront is very expensive here. Okay. But I do would like to get a different property further up the lake. I'm a little south. I'm a, I'm on the shallow side of the lake for where I'd like to run out of. So I'd like to move up the lake. Yeah. Uh, you know, have, um, have our boat, our boats and boathouses up there. And then eventually have a duplex, you know, be able to house at least two groups of anglers at once. And have a full-time guide as well as a couple part-timers. Um, and, yeah, probably just hopefully managing the company at that point. You know, let, let some of my other friends and buddies enjoy enjoy guiding and put people on fish. And yeah, that's that's kind of the hope. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I have no doubt that you'll make it, man. It looks like you're off to a great start. Here's a question for you. How do you see, and this is just something I ask people from time to time, how do you see the the sport itself doing? Um, it's different coming from Canada to the U.S., but, I mean, you're, you're fishing tournaments. Are you still seeing um, the same amount of boats every year? Is there, you know, wait lists to get in these tournaments? Or are you kind of seeing um, a gradual, you know, down downturn of it? Well, in my age... We've got to see some pretty interesting times. We've kind of got, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, but fishing has had a definitely revolution in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Fishing has become a lot more, I'm not going to say, it's not as grassroots and it's becoming more mainstream. It's become, fishing's getting cool. Like, yeah, even ice fishing too. When I started ice fishing, like people, no one understood. No one cared to go. Nobody you know, go sit outside on a bucket and freeze your ass off. Sorry, I probably shouldn't swear. No, you can swear. And, uh, and uh, yeah, like, it, we were kind of at the forefront of, uh, you know, we had when we were younger, we had lure companies on us, like, pumping us full of free gear, pumping our photos all over, you know, trying to blow us up, make us big deals, feel, feel like we're big deals, and, you know what? The sport of ice fishing really blew up about six, seven, eight years ago, and I'm I'm really excited how I see younger kids looking at fishing today. They have they have so much more than we have or had when I was coming up. Uh, the YouTube and YouTube, Instagram, Facebook are just you know they're it's amazing. It's just a portal into the angling world. <laughs> As before it the amount of information you can learn just by typing it into Google. Now buying the gear online, learning the techniques, seeing the demonstration videos. I used to have to wake up at 6am to see a fishing show on TV. Now I can watch one on my phone in bed. Like, Oh yeah. It's, um, it's amazing. And you know what? Seeing all these kids growing up and you know, they all want to have their own YouTube channel or the, you know, they all want to be a big deal on the ground and, I love it. You know, some, some people think it's killing the sport. I don't think so at all. I think, um, one area I've seen lacking is the tournament fishing and that's 
that is one area I'm definitely going to try and improve. And now that I'm on the board for the Sasswalai Trail, I would love to see more young kids get into it because I know what it's done for me and I know it's overall it's just such a great wholesome thing and if i can get more more of these young anglers you know off their phones and into a tourney boat you know what even running their little boats i know one thing for sure one of the prizes i've brought to the table is uh you know top prize for best boat under 18 feet because everyone thinks you have to have a 21 foot boat to fish a tournament that's not the case i started with a 18 foot and i know guys that have started with smaller than that you just got to get out and fish. Like, just get out and do it. It's uh, you have nothing to lose. Nobody's gonna judge you. Everyone is super helpful. And if you want to greatly accelerate your fishing skills, get in the tourney circuits because you will learn tenfold faster what you're gonna want to pick up on your own. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more about the. You know, obviously, we'll start back with the YouTube side of things and the Instagram side of things. It's like you know, you see a lot, it's a, it's an opportunity for people to get out there and show folks what they're passionate about, whether that's through a photo or, you know, kids filming themselves or, you know, whoever filming themselves to promote the sport, you know, especially even if it's on a local body of water in your area, you know, you've learned. So I've learned so much about inland lakes or areas that, you know, I've always been curious about to see what other folks are doing. And you get on the YouTube and you just type in like the name of your lake or something like that. And someone's out there catching fish and, you know, you're seeing what they're using and, uh, you know, it's, it's really refreshing to see. And uh, also like, I think, like you said, fishing has become quote unquote cool now, right? It's like in the past, you might, it, it might've been something that you might have geared towards maybe like an older crowd or wasn't a cool thing to do in high school and things like that. But now there's, you know, there's, there's high school fishing teams and college fishing teams. And now you're seeing these teams that, uh, local expos and, you know, f- fishing shows and they're representing their teams and you get to know them. And it's just really cool to kind of see, like you said, that transition over the past couple of years uh, of where fishing has gone and where it's going. And, you know, the popular YouTube stars out there, um, you know, like Uncut Angling and, you know, AP Bassin and all those guys that have, have blown it up in a different way has been really good for the sport. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, I've never met her. I've never met AP but I do know Aaron. And we all actually kind of started coming up in the, the same time. Same with Clayton. Yeah. Um, me and Clayton Schick are good buddies. Jay Siemens, Aaron Weeb, you know, Manny Milas, all those boys. We all, you know, we all kind of really fired into this at the same time. It's, it's really exciting. It's super, super exciting to see all the young guys getting into it. And you know what? fishing it's it's one of those things you can't buy skill right you know what you can go out you can have a 21 foot ranger with a 300 on it but that don't mean that don't mean diddly like nope. you know what if you if you don't have got a good stick it don't matter mm-hmm. i know guys with 100k boats that can't catch fish to save their lives and i know kids going out crushing it on the rivers like from shorts you know what go and do what you're good just get out and do it like don't don't let anything hold you back. I started with nothing. I started with an ice auger and a jigging rod and a scoop. I started summer fishing with a six foot six medium action rod that I spent 250 bucks on all the money I had in the world at the time. And um, you don't need much to get started. Just go out and do it. Join the outdoors. Enjoy what we have to offer while you can. You bet, man. Hey, well, we're going to end on that because I think that's a great message to end on. And, um, 
where can folks find out more about you and uh, what everything you got going on? Uh, you can check me out on uh, Facebook or Instagram. My name's Lane Meyer, L-A-Y-N-E-M-A-I-E-R. Or uh, check me out at Mountain Man Outdoors. And that's uh, MTN Man Outdoors. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited what M- Mountain Man has to offer and what's uh, coming down the pipe for that. I think I think uh, he, it's definitely where to follow because uh, the amount of uh, high-quality fishermen we have on board and I think the gear we have available to us, I think it's we got some really exceptional fish coming out, uh, coming coming to you guys. Awesome. Well, thanks, Lane, for your time. Uh, I won't keep you anymore. And uh, hey, good luck in the future. And I'll, uh, I'll for anyone listening to this, I'll put all the information in the show notes. And uh, when I post the uh, episode, I'll put all his uh, handles on there and everything. So, all right, Lane, you be good, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed that podcast with Lane. Um, I think you guys should go check him out over at Mountain Man Outdoors on Instagram and see everything that he's got going on from his guiding business that he's just starting out. Um, you can kind of follow his journey over there to see what he's, uh, what kind of fish he's getting into, and he shares a lot of information, all that kind of stuff, and his awesome shacks that he's been building as well. And, you know, I think there's something that we can all take from what lane said he said quote in the during the podcast i went from keeping my limit to limiting my keep and i think that was something that really hit home for uh myself and just you know it's it's not all about how many fish that you can catch but you know pushing yourself to the next level in your angling career whatever that might be uh whether that's going after different species um maybe tackling different bodies of water or, you know, just going after bigger fish. You know, maybe you can go out there and catch a ton of fish, but maybe it's not always the big ones or the the, the type that you really want to push yourself to the next level to maybe, I don't know, enter a tournament or whatever that is. And I just really like that line that Lane threw out there during the podcast. And again, I want to thank him for coming on the podcast. You guys go check him out over at Mountain Man Outdoors on Instagram and follow his journey and everything he's going to be coming out with on YouTube, etc. So... That's it for now. And as always, uh, you know, come right back here in two weeks and we'll have another fresh podcast episode for you to listen to. And in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.